Looking for a way to make online learning a better option for your family? When it comes to virtual learning, experience matters. Tuition-free K-12-powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of experience to work for you, giving your child the personalized learning they deserve without disruptions. With a K-12-powered school, students gain the skills they need to be prepared for their next steps in life, building a better future for each one of us. K-12, education for any one. Learn more at k12.com. School in Pune, um, uh, even in like um, second standard, first to second standard. I mean, I remember uh, just, uh, I mean, this one guy in the class who was, who I just had a crush on, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, so, um, but of course, I didn't know what that was then. I'm just a postman. I'm just a postman. Oh, baby, I'm just a postman. I'm just Hello, everyone, postman. and welcome to this special episode. In Drawing Room Conversations, Season 2. I am your host, Madhav, and we have Indumati and Aditi, who are our co-hosts for the show, It's Your Postman. World over, queer people celebrate Pride Month in June. And we have a very, very befitting guest amidst us, Devesh Khatu. Devesh is one of the most humble beings I've met ever, and I'm not joking. And he's such a sweet person, he's gentle, and he's really good to talk to. Let's find out more about him. I am dying to know. I, I'll, I'll tell you a few um, statistics of his. He has run more than 100 marathons, which is 42.2 kilometers. And we'll get to know the correct number today. But uh, without further ado, Devish, it's such a pleasure to have you on our show. And thanks for accepting and agreeing to do it at such a short notice. Um, thank you, Madhav. It's uh, my uh, honor and um, um... A pleasure to be on this show. Um, um, I hope that um, um, uh, I mean you will learn something about me, and and uh, and what I say will be useful to other people. Definitely, definitely. Thanks. I can't wait to start. Um, so, Devish, um, how and um, when did you realize uh, your sexuality? Um, at what age, and uh, what was the period at that time? I'm about um, sure. Um, so um, I um, um, grew up in um, in mostly in Pune um, uh-huh. and Mumbai. Um, I was um, the first four years I was in Mumbai, and then I moved to Pune, and then was back in Mumbai um, for my eleventh, um, starting from my eleventh standard and IIT. And um, um, so um, I, um, as far as I remember, I, I mean, I. Uh, I was attracted to guys, but I, I mean, I didn't really know what it was, or I didn't really mm-hmm. act upon it. School in Pune, um, uh, even in like um, second standard, first to second standard. I mean, I remember uh, just, uh, I mean, this one guy in the class who was, who I just had a crush on, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, so, um, but of course, I didn't know what that was then. Right. Um, so I, of course, um, didn't do anything about it uh, through both the school as well as college. Uh, even at IIT, where uh, I was um, staying in a hostel, mm-hmm. and um, so did have some independence there. But um, uh, but again, uh, being uh, I was a m- very studious um, um, person at that time, and so I uh, mostly was just focused on my academics and so on, and so um, didn't really uh, get to spend any time on exploring any other aspects of my um, personality. 
So, um, uh, right. so while I, um, I mean, I sort of, I mean, I, of course, I was attracted to guys. I didn't actually act upon it until I um, moved to the U.S., which was um, after my uh, B.Tech at IIT, which was at about age 21. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, it was um, only when I was, I mean, sufficiently further uh, away from um, my family and um, and also be uh, the culture being a little more open out there was when I decided to actually finally explore my sexuality. Um, so to mm. answer the question, I mean, um, yeah, if you're asking when I actually um, uh, met a, met the guy, a guy for the first time or uh, did anything, that was in the US um, uh, at age 21. But uh, in terms of being attracted to guys, I think I always um, was attracted to guys uh, as far back as I remember. Right. So uh, in, in, in 70s and 80s, when you were uh, growing up uh, in Pune and Bombay, though they are very advanced cities, I don't think there was so much of um, awareness. Like you said, of course, no internet, newspapers. And what were the resources that you've had? I mean, did you were you interested in finding out uh, what it was? Why was I, why am I attracted to boys? Uh, did you have any friend who had similar experiences? I know you just said you, you, did, you didn't act upon it or you didn't know much about it till you went to the US. But as while growing up, I'm sure you must have had some amount of curiosity about what's happening with you. Um, so that's a good question. I mean, I did, uh, I mean, I was curious, but I mean, again, um, I mean, I just had such a sheltered um, upbringing. I mean, I was basically... Um, uh, I mean, the topper in my class in high school. Uh, mm-hmm. My mom didn't really um, uh, allow me to mix that much with like the street kids and so on. So, so I had a very sort of um, um, very um, boring, uh, I must say, upbringing, where I the only thing that I, my only life was basically studies and uh, and uh, academics. So uh, even though uh, I mean mm. I didn't really. Uh, I know what to do about it. And, and even though I was curious, I um, didn't, uh, of course, at that time, there was no internet or anything either, as you mentioned. Hmm. So I, I wouldn't have known where where to um, meet other people. So I didn't really know a single gay person um, while I was in India until I went to the US um, at 21. Uh, I had heard about Bombay Dost, um, which was the um, first uh, gay magazine in Mumbai um, oh. just before I left, like maybe in my um, last year that I was here. Mm-hmm. But again, I had no idea where to, like, I mean, I read some, something about it in the newspaper or something. But again, I had like no, I had no clue as to how I would go about getting one. So, so I hadn't even like um, come across a, a copy of the magazine then. Uh, I only actually came across it finally when I was in the US, um, when somebody brought it uh, over there. Okay. Ah, I mean, studious life, I can understand. And back in the day, I mean, I don't think it was so widely popular or so widely talked about so that, you know, think it's, it's a phase in life so I, I i think that could probably be one of the cases i guess yeah yeah and m- more than anything it was i just didn't know what it was i mean uh, uh, so um yeah i guess basically uh, it was completely asexual and um so i mean didn't really interact uh, with anybody in that uh, uh, from that angle right? so um mm. uh, so yeah it was sort of a non-issue basically and um um, I, I just didn't do anything about it until uh, uh, until I went to you. <clears throat> right, right. So let's move to the US where you realize about your sexuality. Um, how was it? What was the revelation like? What was the uh, 
aha moment aha moment for you or was there an aha moment and uh, how was the sex, uh, gay life over there how was and in which part of the us were you um, if you can just throw us a little um, meet over there i'm about Sure. So um, I uh, moved to the U.S. Uh, for graduate. Basically, did my uh, spent the first two years there doing my masters at uh, the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, uh, Austin is a fairly liberal uh, uh, university t- uh, town, mm-hmm. and the school is actually quite big, fifty thousand students. So uh, when I got there, um, I mean, I developed this newspaper, and, and I sort of like, um, I mean, periodically read things about. Um, in fact one uh, one time i remember there was a gay kissin to protest something or um, hmm. so uh, i mean it just sort of like uh, piqued my curiosity uh, and so actually i um, uh, even uh, went like mustered the courage to go to one of their the campus gay group um, uh, meetings although i didn't actually um, meet anybody there because i was too shy mm-hmm. but then finally um, i was living with, i was also living there with a the roommate who was actually from um i knew him from india he was with me in iit as okay he had gone to india in in the first winter vacation to visit his family i had the place to myself and so i decided that uh, that was the time that i would do something about it so actually hmm. i placed an ad in the uh, newspaper um uh, like there was a weekly uh, liberal newspaper has classified section at the ba- section at the back uh, that i was interested in meeting some people and that's how i met somebody for the first time um so um so i met a few people that way and um, uh, and uh, had my first um, uh, sexual experiences and and of course i realized that yeah in, that was indeed uh, attracted to guys it was um, so the first few encounters of course were a bit I, mean, i was very nervous i mean i um I didn't want anybody to find out about it and so it was very uh, sort of uh, uh, um Did it quietly and so on, but then gradually, as I met more people and uh, I get got a little more comfortable, um, and um, eventually, I also ended up meeting um, the first gay Indian uh, who was student in the same department that I was in at uh, University wow. of Texas, and so that actually was a great. Um, it was the first time that I knew that there was somebody else um, like me from India who was also gay, and so that was a great uh, aha moment as well. Nice. That's sweet. And I uh, after after my masters, I moved to um, the Bay Area, hmm. uh, San Francisco, where um, where I really blossomed, if you can say that. Hmm. Uh, hmm. So basically, there um, there there was a South Asian LGBT group called Tricone, and hmm. so um, I had sort of heard about it um, again through some other people. In fact, the South Asian gay guy at UT Austin had told me about it as well. So um, so when I moved to to the Bay Area, I contacted the group and. Um, Uh, um, went to one of the events and um, uh, and I also didn't know too many people in the Bay Area. I thought that it was a great opportunity to um, to meet some people and got involved with the group in, in an organizational capacity. And that's mm. how I sort of um, started um, uh, meeting more gay people and also um, also became a gay active LGBT activist um, by being uh, on their um, board of directors as well. Oh, wonderful. So, um, were you working at that time in in the Bay Area? Which part of Bay Area were you in? SFO to uh, which yes, part? Yes, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I had a full. Uh, uh, so the first year that I 
was um, on the, let's say, 30 kilometers from San Francisco uh, uh, because my first company that I worked at, um, uh, or I realized that, I mean, the, the gay life uh, mostly was in San Francisco. And so I moved to San Francisco where I lived for the most part for about 25 years after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, so uh, that definitely helped me with my coming out and uh, being more comfortable with who I was, um, mm. uh, being um, around other gay people and so on. Right. So apart from the organization... But yeah, I was, in the, I was working full-time in the software industry um, at the time. Oh, awesome. That's, that's, that's great. It, it, it's a sensitive um, topic, um, but I want to um, broach that, Devish, at this point. Um, you are um, HIV positive. And uh, when did this happen? Um, and what was the experience at that time? And how did you... Um, how did you manage uh, the entire experience? Um, right. So, um, uh, so I, of course, uh, I, I was quite um, uh, cautious about. Um, I mean, I, I was aware of HIV and so on, and so took all the precautions in the in the first decade that I was there, nineties, um, and um, uh, and of course, I stayed negative for many years. But then. Um, uh, mm-hmm. In in two thousand and and two, I um, I broke up with a, a partner at the time. So I was in a relationship with him for about about two and a half years, mm-hmm. uh, which was my first uh, semi long term relationship, if you may call that. Okay. And so after the breakup, I was uh, a little depressed, and so um, uh, ended up um, throwing caution to the winds, and um, uh, and also um, and so basically uh, had a lot of uh, protected. Uh, sex and so that's how I um, ended up catching um, HIV uh, uh, around uh, maybe two, early 2003. Um, mm. So initially, of course, it was a big shock. Um, I mean, it wasn't a huge surprise because I sort of, um, I mean, I pretty much got what I uh, what I would have considered my behavior at the time. Mm. But then, mm. um, um, so initially, it was a big shock. Uh, I mean, it was a big. Um, um, I was very uh, scared about. Um, people finding out about my status because I wasn't really very comfortable with it. Hmm. And so um, I kept very uh, quiet about it as well. I only told some of my closest friends um, hmm. who were very supportive. Hmm. Um, but then, um, and then of course, I got, also got on um, anti-retroviral um, uh, therapy, which is uh, basically the combination drugs which um, help you manage your HIV. And so um, so within a few months, uh, so initially uh, the first eight months, my health had, had, wasn't doing too well because um, the HIV was in control. But then after I got uh, on the um, ART, I, um, the, my viral load became undetectable, which basically means that um, there's, the, 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 there's no detectable level of virus in your blood. And, uh, and once that happens, you pretty much can carry on life um, just like... Um, um, uh, just like anybody else, mm. um, so that sort of kept the HIV in check, and um, that also gave me more confidence to, um, to sort of um, go out and do my um, normal activities uh, and so on. So, um, so time is a great healer, and so I, within a few years, I, I got um, more comfortable with my um, HIV status and um, started coming out um, to more friends and um, uh, and even to meet my sister in about I think that was in in 2010 maybe uh, mm. and she was actually very supportive as well so um, um 
and now with the advent of social media where i've been pretty open about my status uh, hmm. pretty much everybody knows about that except for my mom uh, the only thing that i um, did have a discussion with my sister was um, we decided that it um, make much sense to um, um, tell her because she would a freak out and also sort of worry about me and so so she's the only person that i know who um, uh, who i mean the close person that i haven't told to told my side of it right and you said you've been hiv neg- i mean negative or or um, below the count for a very long time now yeah i mean not hiv negative i mean once you get, become positive you are always positive so it's undetectable which is um, right. where the um, viral load is um, not detectable in blood so, so yeah so the past 18 years now i've been undetectable wonderful wonderful i'm i'm going to be um uh, staying in this topic for a little more while um because this is such a stigmatic topic uh such a stigma in the in the society despite um uh, having so many uh you know medication and treatment available for it and uh with so much of technology and knowledge and science advancement in the field there still seems to be a lot of stigma and um you know bad thoughts around it what uh, what were the resources back then and um were your friends or uh, you, you were working for the lgbt support group uh, as, a, as a, in the capacity of board member so you must be having a lot of resources at that time but um for someone for our <laughs> listeners who are listening right now yeah go ahead don't have the um the resources or the support group that that one should have what would you suggest then yeah so um luckily i mean i lived in, in san francisco which is probably uh, which is arguably the best place uh, you could be in if you're hiv positive because there are um, there's a huge support uh, system out there um so there are lots of um, uh, non-profit groups that um, cater to various aspects of being hiv positive mm-hmm. uh, from um Uh, counseling and therapy to um, um to nutrition and um uh, activities and a whole bunch of things so uh, i was very lucky in that sense um uh, although there wasn't a gay a south asian group um for hiv positive people um but i did um uh, end up i was also volunteering for another um and mostly an east asian group that was i mean I, I, that um, catered to hiv positive people um called the Asian and Pacific Islander Wellness Center and so um so uh, being part of that group also helped me greatly with uh, access to resources and so on um but uh, also in the process i also found a very positive indians who um uh, were either mm-hmm. uh, part of trikona or the other group and so i uh, sort of uh, that sort of provided like a support network uh, for each other Uh, and that was very helpful uh, now of course if you are in india the situation is quite different uh, although in um, mumbai there are i mean in some cities there are groups uh, that do do uh, provide support so in mumbai there is the humsafar trust for example right uh, which is um, an hiv aids support group mostly for lgbt uh, people okay um, so um, so i think um, i would i would strongly encourage people to get in touch with uh, groups like this uh, and also um, to just um, I mean, through them you can meet other um, people, and so um, 
so right now, for example, I'm actually a go-to person for a lot of uh, people who are coming out. So hmm. they will basically, uh, for example, uh, talk to someone and say, hey, I just tested positive and I don't know anybody uh, in that situation. So what can you like help me? And then they'll, they'll say, oh, I know of this person. Uh, and they'll mention my name or something. And then uh, I've mentioned to people that, uh, sure, if anybody wants to um, refer uh, me to them, that's fine. And so hmm. I've actually helped, I'm not, help but i mean counseled a couple of um, uh, people who've just tested positive um, just to um, i mean uh, let them know that they're not alone and that um, uh, things will be okay eventually so um, so i think um, just having uh, sort of being networked and uh, um, uh, is probably the best way to meet other people and um, uh, obviously there are quite a few um, uh, people even in india who are, who are hiv positive and um, so there's, it's not like there's, you're, you're the only person and there's nobody else around. Um, and, and what would you say for um, moral support? Like, is it really so bad as people talk about it? How, I mean, the whole point of it, me bringing in about um, is to break um, that stigma. So it's, Yeah, yeah. So it's really not that bad. I mean, like everybody who I, um, most of the people that I've told about my status, I mean, I've been very supportive. Uh, nobody has um, said anything explicitly against me, at least on my face. Um, uh, the the stigma, there is of course a stigma in society though, um, uh, especially um, even in, actually there is some stigma even in the LGBT community. So Absolutely. there are some people who would, for example, not uh, want to date um, uh, people who are HIV positive uh, because, um, uh, either they're afraid of getting it themselves or because of the uh, with somebody who's HIV positive. So uh, so there's, of course, that. Um, and that actually has uh, affected my dating life quite a bit because, um, uh, I mean, there's lots of people, especially um, while in the US, a lot of um, um, uh, other uh, uh, Asians didn't want to meet other Asians because um, they either were too afraid of other people finding out or um, or whatever. Hmm. So, um, so, um, so that definitely impacted my social life in some ways. But, um, um, but then I'm also perfectly happy. Uh, I mean, um, being single. If that's, uh, uh, I mean, if that's, <laughs> uh, I mean, if I'm not finding the right person, uh, that's it's not 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 that big a deal. Either. It's not the uh, end of yeah, life. Yeah, there is, uh, but but especially in the yeah, it's not the end of life. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but, support you. Uh, some of the mainstream uh, mainstream community people might not uh, uh, might not be as supportive, but um, I don't think anybody will actually um, say anything really um, negative in, in your face, though, because um, uh, at least I haven't experienced that. Wonderful. That's so sweet to know. Uh, Devish, uh, where can people find you uh, before we further move on? Since you said you, you've been a go-to person and you are a go-to person, um, for a lot of people. Where can people find you? Uh, I mean, I'm happy to um, share my contact information. I mean, I wouldn't want to do it on the show itself, but uh, uh, I mean, if anybody is listening to the show and they can contact the show and uh, I'm happy to share it uh, I mean, with the with you and you can pass it on to them. That'll be great. I, I'm, I'm really hoping this, uh, this helps someone out there who's listening to us. Yeah, or, or of course you can search for me on Facebook. I mean, so that's another way. I mean, so I mean, I'm on Facebook. I'm probably the only Devesh Khatu out there. So uh, <laughs> I mean, you can just send me a message. Awesome. Thank you so much. 
when did you start uh, running and and why did you start running what was the motive behind it So actually, that's a very good question. Um, so when I was, um, I mean, I've already talked about my being studious growing up. So right. I'm very unathletic um, in school and college. In fact, um, in, in in high school we had, um, so our class was about fifty people, right? And so there were um, there was an A team, a B team, and a C team for football. Uh, and those who didn't qualify for either of the three teams was were relegated to baseball, which was hmm. like the sedentary um, uh, sport. The, the remaining in the class played and uh, I was basically part of that uh, cohort uh, in, mm-hmm. in, in class um, mm-hmm. and um, I was always terrified when like the ball used to come towards me uh, uh, or if I had to like throw the ball and so on. Mm-hmm. It was typically a very typically um, an athletic um, seizure typically an athletic uh, growing up. Um, so um, right. uh, and in fact in college uh, in IIT I was some some people in fact even Tease me as a pansy because of my walk. Uh, I mean, think twenty kilometer walk in the Olympics with sort of um, hands um, shaking vigorously. Um, so, um, um, so uh, uh, that sort of continued until in in, in the US as well. Mm-hmm. But then um, after I tested positive for HIV, um, I realized that I needed to do something healthy as well because um, uh, also at that around that time because of my depression, I was also like partying a lot and. Um, and um, uh, both spending um, time and money on uh, uh, on stuff I shouldn't have been. So, um, uh, so uh, I decided that I need to do some healthy activities, and so I took up running. Um, I joined the Front Runners, which is a LGBT running club. Um, they have chapters throughout the world, um, mm-hmm. um, uh, and so I joined the San Francisco the Front Runners. Okay. And uh, so uh, I got to know a few other runners. I mean, initially it was just uh, about. Um, five to eight kilometers or so on weekends. But then I got to know people who were uh, running marathons. And so I thought that um, having seen them, that this would be a good challenge to take on, uh, both to uh, as a personal challenge, as well as to prove um, to people from school and college that I could do something athletic and um, that, um, that that wasn't uh, the end of uh, things. So, um, so I did um, uh, train for my first marathon in 2005. Uh, I joined a training program called the AIDS Marathon Training Program, where mm-hmm. you raised funds for a local um, uh, HIV/AIDS nonprofit, and um, they uh, trained mm-hmm. you over the um, course of uh, five months or whatever. And so I ran my first mar- marathon there. So initially, I thought that it was a box that I would check off, mm-hmm. um, but then um, I sort of, I guess, um, um, got hooked onto it. Um, I also decided that I mean, uh, I also like traveling, and so I decided to combine my love of traveling with running and ended hmm. up um, and decided to run marathons in different cities um, in the US initially and then around the world. And so um, so uh, that's how I started, um, got into the, the, this whole marathon uh, thing. Uh, hmm. In in 2009, I turned 40 and th- I, so I, thought, I thought I'd do something special. And so I thought I'd run a marathon a month uh, for hmm. the year. So I, so wow. I did, did that, I did 12 marathons that, that year. Uh, and then um, I sort of decided to take on another life challenge um, after that, which was um, to run. Um, so at that point, I'd sort of run like about um, 30 or 40 marathons. And so I decided to take on the life challenge of running 100 marathons by the time I was 50, which meant basically continuing running a marathon a month uh, for um, about five, or five years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did that and um, achieved it. And um, I was very happy that I achieved my life goal um, before turning 50. And, um, 
You're going to ask about my marathon count. It's at 116 <laughs> now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so as a fellow marathoner, I, I completely understand uh, this thing. But I, I somehow, I, I enjoy running, but I somehow don't enjoy the long format of it necessarily. Like the 42.2 is something that I... Mm, not very interested at this point in time. I, I enjoyed it. The few marathons that I ran, <laughs> ran two, three marathons yeah. I ran, and I did an ultra marathon as well. I enjoyed it, but uh, I, I would definitely go for half marathons. I'm, I'm planning on uh, as soon as the lockdown finishes and things get back to quote unquote normal. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't need to necessarily run full marathons to, I mean, stay in shape. I mean, running regularly, I mean, like um, five kilometers or um, 10 kilometers, that's, I mean, that's 20 as well. I mean, a couple of times a week, a few, few times a week. Absolutely. True, true, true. You just said that you ran about 100, uh, 116 marathons. And when you started, you were about um, mid to late 30s. How has marathon helped you in terms of your life? How, how perspective? Um, uh, I, I'm really curious to know because it has helped uh, me a lot in different different ways um, how did it help you and what were the perspectives rather yeah so actually that's a very good question I think um, running marathons can teach you a lot of lessons in life which you can apply to all aspects of your life I mean, you can apply it professionally for example or um, or um, hmm. uh, to your relationships or whatever so um, I mean basically life is like a marathon in many ways it's um it's not a sprint. I mean, it basically, it, it, it um, requires uh, you to sort of, um, uh, it, it requires planning firstly. I mean, it, you can't just like, for example, just um, jump out and run a marathon one day. I mean, it requires, I mean, the training period of uh, whatever, four to six months um, right. to sort of uh, build up to it. And then um, it requires the sort of, um, uh, uh, even if you're physically uh, ready, it requires the mental um, uh, mental, um capacity to sort of um, make sure that you stamina to to make sure that you survive the final miles in a, a marathon i mean your body basically wants to quit but then it's really your, your mental um, toughness that carries you through and which is the same in uh, in life when you sort of go through um, uh, you might go through phases in life where um, things are not working out or whatever or um, your job is not working and then you have to sort of you have to sort of muster your uh, again your mental reserves to sort of make it through and so basically what you i mean you what you can learn in a marathon you can apply to different aspects of your life as well whether it's um, uh, work or relationships or whatever uh, and then uh, in particular um, uh, i mean doing this over, like over and over 116 times i mean obviously that requires uh, some long term planning and um, hmm. Um, and um, uh, dedication as well. So if you can, I mean, if you can do that um, over a period of you now 15 years that I've been doing it, hmm. um, then I think you can pretty much do uh, anything else in, in life uh, uh, because of this travel and um, it requires a lot of uh, um, planning, both in terms of time and resources. And um, so clearly, it's not something that you can just jump into. So. So that, again, that's something that you can apply to all aspects of life. I mean, um, so financial planning or um, uh, a preparation um, for um, anything um, uh, in, in life. So, Two points that you just mentioned in this answer, Devesh, I would want to talk about uh, my personal experiences. First one is absolutely right. 
the financial uh, capacity on it. It's pretty freaking expensive if you are, if especially if you want to travel and do it. And of course, if you want to do so many marathons, you cannot be doing in the same city. You keep, right. You will have to travel at the end of the day. So that's sort of probably one of the reasons why I can't continue running, right. obviously. And the second one, which you said was um, the mental reserves and your body gives up, but you're, you're mentally, you're like, no, we have to finish. And I remember this in Bombay. That was uh, my first marathon. And that time, the I think that day, uh, the humidity was 90%. And uh, by the time we started from CSD right. and uh, we hit the Marine Drive, all of us, like I'm sure about others, I'll talk about myself. I was drenched head to toe, like my socks, my shoes. I could, I could, I could understand my socks were completely wet. And I've never run in in uh, humid conditions. I'm. I used to live in Bombay, uh, sorry, Hyderabad back then, and Hyderabad is a dry city. From there directly to Bombay, and uh, there was a get go, and I started running. And uh, towards the end, the sun was hot, and it was way too humid and I was giving up I was back on marine drive and that stretch from marine drive to uh, the end point was I was just waiting when is this when is this going to end and you can't even stop if you stop you won't be able to walk uh, run again so it's it's (laughs) that that push it's it's really uh, I can remember those days that day right now when you were talking about it (laughs) so yeah thanks thanks for that memory really good how many more marathons are you planning how do you have any plans for Ironman or you want to stick to uh, Um, marathons itself um so that's a good question I I, um I mean I have done some I I did a bike ride once it was um, an 800 kilometer ride from San Francisco to Los Angeles in 2011 which was also a fundraiser for uh, HIV AIDS um, uh, and I, I mean, I, I don't mind doing biking, but um, but uh, swimming is not my forte, and so um, I don't think I'll be doing any triathlons because um, yeah, swimming. I, I just don't like swimming. Uh, but um, mm. I did do an ultra marathon. I did a, a 56k um, uh, run called the Two Two Oceans Marathon in South Africa. Okay. Um, so that was uh, two years ago. Um, uh, and um, I mean, uh, so I'm not sure what my plans are in terms of uh, doing more ultras or whatever. I mean, the last two years, of course, I've been, uh, I mean, things have been mostly frozen. I, I mean, after hmm. running like 10 plus marathons a year for many years, um, last year, I only managed three because of the pandemic. And this year, um, luckily, I managed two in the middle when in between the two waves. Um, yeah. So, um, hmm. uh, but I don't it's going to be a while before um, running on a large scale sort of resumes, especially in India. So, um, True. Uh, so things are kind of on hold right now. I don't know what my plans are, um, but uh, I mean, I don't, I mean, I, I don't see myself quitting running just because it's just something that's become such a big part of my life that um, I mean, it mm. just be a big, leave a big void. I, think. I, I agree completely with you. So now you're back in India. You've you've sort of taken a hiatus from uh, the US, right? And you're back in your alma mater, uh, IIT Bombay. Um, what is the nature of work that you do in IIT Bombay right now? And um, yeah, sorry. 
What's the nature of work? Um, so yeah, so I am the uh, I'm the CEO of the um, yeah I'm the CEO of the IIT Bombay Alumni Association. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically, um, the Alumni Association connects the alumni, uh, alumni to each other and to the institute. Uh, so our main um, focus is alumni engagement, and so um, so we do it through different uh, through events and initiatives that. Uh, um, that um, uh, connect alumni uh, around both in, in India as well as around the world um, and engage them back to the institute. So that's uh, in a nutshell what I'm doing. Um, and um, I mean, the, the nice part about it is again, it, uh, it gives me an opportunity to, to interact with a lot of um, very smart people and uh, mm. a lot of um, um, uh, 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 interesting um, people that way. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's quite different from what I was doing because in in the US uh, for the la I mean my last um, paid jobs there in the twelve I mean twelve years I was working in the nonprofit sector in the LGBT and HIV um, AIDS uh, spaces and so it's it's, it's been a, it's of course been a big um, a big change uh, coming mm. back to India but but the other reason for coming back here also was um, to be closer to my um, so right now I'm living with my mom who's in the 80s so uh, that was one of the main reasons to come back wonderful wonderful so sweet um so what is the biggest difference that you see in india from back in the 70s and 80s to although again uh, i would want to note here saying you weren't very social back then but i'm sure you must have seen that the way things have changed and shifted and you know um Upside down, rather, especially Bombay. What are the what are the differences? Right. Um, so, of course, I mean now, uh, I mean things are much more um, open here. I mean, it's still, uh, I mean, it doesn't compare to the to the West uh, uh, by any stretch of imagination. I mean, uh, the uh, LGBT life here is still. Um, I mean, I, I would say it's it's very. I mean, it's still pretty much. You have to like know people and um, sort of be in the know to like find out about gay events and uh, groups and things like that. Because I mean, there's no like gay newspapers or gay guides or gay bars that you can just go to walk in and like meet some people, right? So mm. you sort of have to start somewhere. But of course, the inter I mean, luckily the internet and social media has changed all that. And so now you can obviously like find people that way. And so uh, that has sort of kept me connected to um, the LGBT community here. And uh, so for example, I'm part of, um, uh, a couple of groups that are um, related to IIT uh, alumni. Like there's a group called Pravritti, which uh, mm -hmm. is um, for IIT, um, 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 LGBT IIT alumni. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm a part of that. Um, um, so, um, so yeah, I think um, the internet and social media has changed everything. And in fact, now on the campus, there's also a group, uh, LGBT student group called Sati, which of course I would have never dream, dreamt of when I was... Uh, in IIT myself, but yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a lot of uh, support that's available um, for for people who are coming out these days, um, and um, and of course the uh, Supreme Court decision a couple of years ago has also opened things up, and hopefully um, there'll be more of this. And just yesterday there was this ruling by the Madras High Court, which was very um, um, LGBT friendly, and so phenomenal. There'll be more of these, and um, uh, that we encounter. Yeah, that will counter the social stigma that still exists uh, uh, in the country. Yeah, that was really a landmark judgment. Uh, 
um, from this high court judge. In fact, it it was uh, he was in in news a few weeks ago where a couple from Coimbatore, a lesbian couple from Coimbatore, had gone right. to get their rights, and he's he asked a counselor for counseling before he could take a decision. That was that was very um, like surprising, honestly speaking, coming from um, a high court judge and that such senior high court judge. Yes, yeah, wonderful. Yeah. I think uh, yes. this is a perfect segue for me to ask you uh, one last question. What do you want to be remembered for? What What is the impact that you want to leave? I'm about empathy, love, and gratitude. Um, so that's a good question. Um, and um, I guess there are different ways in which people leave their legacies. Um, of course, I mean, financial is the most common, but... Uh, but that doesn't necessarily have to, I mean, that's not the, I mean, money isn't everything because you can't take it with you anyway. But right. um, in fact, I made, I specifically made the conscious decision to like not um, chase money. And in fact, they gave up my high paying uh, software career to work in the NGO sector. Hmm. But, um, but I think what I would like to be remembered for is basically um, inspiring people um, through my um uh, a, I, uh, I guess initially it was my LGBT activism, um, uh, and then um, now uh, it's uh, my um, my running, and so um, hmm. uh, lead, uh, inspiring people to lead healthier lifestyles and um, and um, take on activities that would um, be good for them uh, in the long run. Uh, so I think that probably um, would be uh, the thing that I would like to be remembered for. I guess. Uh, and I do know that, for example, a lot of people have started running because uh, they knew somebody, I mean, they knew me uh, who was a runner and uh, they never, never run before and then they started running. So that's sort of um, uh, heartening to know that uh, you have made a difference in somebody's life. That's uh, wonderful. That Definitely. I completely agree with you uh, to inspire more people. Wonderful. Before we end, Devish, is there something that you wanted to say? Is there something that I should have covered? I didn't ask. Um, is there something we should we should talk about in this? Um, nothing in particular. I think you pretty much covered a lot of things. Um, I think maybe one thing that I uh, that I might uh, that I could add uh, is um, please a lot of people uh, uh, in India have so sort of seen this re- being asked by a lot of people recently is that uh, they sort of see. Um, they don't see much hope in terms of for example, LGBT relationships and so on. So, for mm. example, if you log on to um, a, a lot of the gay apps and stuff like that, I mean, a lot of people are just looking for uh, for quick um, uh, quick encounters and so on. Mm. And uh, a lot of them are married uh, to women, for example, I mean, the guys. Mm. So, um, so a lot of people sort of uh, uh, feel um, very um, defeatist in that regard. Uh, and I think that um, that should not be the attitude. Uh, a, one thing is that um, hopefully um, uh, as attitudes change, it will be easier for people to um, to have LGBT relationships in India. I mean, there's, of course, the marriage case that's in the courts right now as well. Hmm. Um, but besides that, um, I mean, even if you don't meet anybody, I mean, living by yourself is really not that bad. I mean, I've been single now for about, um, uh, I think, about 11 or 12 years. And... Uh, and I mean, I think you have to just make peace with yourself and that's it's just fine. There's nothing wrong with being single. I mean, I go out and eat um, eat at restaurants, watch movies, travel by myself, and it's all fine. I mean, it's not like I don't have <laughs> friends. I mean, I know a lot of people. Uh, and um, in fact, uh, I'm basically 
traveling with my friends on social media when I'm traveling because I'm always posting updates from wherever I am. Yes, so you I do. Think, um, uh, being by yourself is not um, uh, is not the um, um, is not the end of the world, and that's a message that I would like to um, to leave people with. Um, uh, that uh, leave lead your own life. I mean, um, if you find somebody, that's great. But if not, it's uh, it's fine too. Wonderful message. I completely agree. That I mean, living alone and loneliness are two different things, and uh, one can enjoy uh, living completely alone. Um, and and there's a lot of confusion seemingly in the uh, these two terminologies. But nevertheless, it was such a great pleasure to talk to you, Devish. Thanks for taking time out. and thanks for making this happen until next time bye bye uh, thank you so much um, thank you so much madhav for inviting uh, uh, it was my pleasure to um, chat with all of you and um, hope that um, this uh, uh, inspires a few people uh, it will definitely inspire a lot of people i'm sure thanks take care bye bye new hot and iced sunrise batch coffee from dunkin A bright and balanced, full-bodied blend, brewed so you can get summering from sunrise to sunset, and even after that, because that's when you can show off those string lights you hung in the backyard or rehung. Enjoy a medium, hotter iced sunrise batch coffee for two dollars. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Exclusions apply.